Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. and Welcome to another episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm chatting with Sarah Horgan, creator of Simple Intentional, a community providing inspiration to declutter your home, life, and live intentionally. Sarah helps women and moms clear clutter, simplify, and create their best lives. This conversation was so incredible and inspirational for me personally. I am somebody who, especially since having kids, tends to just avoid or deflect or like literally step over the clutter that inevitably accumulates in my home. But Sarah really helps us get to the root of what's really going on behind the clutter, underneath it all. And she helps us to realize that changes can be doable. Can, they can feel doable by taking very small, very intentional steps. Sarah also mentions her Simple Change Summit, which is this weekend, January 27th through 28th, which I'm actually speaking at as well. The summit is incredible. It's six amazing speakers over two days, and it's really designed to help you make small but lasting changes in your life because we all know what happens when we try to go big with changes. They never stick, right? And I think that's what's really good timing about this coming off of New Year's and New Year's resolutions. We're towards the end of January now. Maybe some resolutions have started to fade already. This is where the mindset piece um, comes in and really the focus on small, simple change um, is so important. So if you're interested in joining that, go check it out. The registration is on Sarah's website, and I've also included the link on my social media as well. I, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I personally got so much out of it, and I know you will too. Um, just fair warning, the audio gets a little wonky because of my connection when we recorded this, so bear with me as you're listening. Um, but before we get into it, my apologies, I forgot to uh, talk a little bit more about Sarah's bio. But let me tell you briefly a little more about Sarah. Sarah is a coach, a wife, and mom to a five-year-old little girl. Um, she is a full-time kindergarten teacher and lover of everything simple. Sarah's journey to simplicity started in 2014 when she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Then it really intensified when she became a mom. Having cancer, Sarah was propelled into some deep internal work. She became more self-aware and learned that being a perfectionist wasn't helping her all that much and neither was people-pleasing. This was the beginning of tiny gains for her. Sarah is the host of the Simple and Intentional podcast, where she shares practical and actionable tips you can start using in your life immediately. With inspiring stories, mindset shifts, and how-tos on getting started, the podcast is here to help you begin living more intentionally. And in our conversation, Sarah and I talk about perfectionism and the lessons learned from making mistakes. We talk about the connection between productivity and worth, which is a big one for me, and the power of, simple, uh, the power of small change. Um, you guys can find more from Sarah on her website, simpleintentional.com. And you, that's where you can also sign up for the Simple and Intentional Summit, which again is this weekend, January 27th through 28th. So go check it out. 
Um, you can also find her Simple and Intentional podcast or more about the podcast on her website. And you can find the podcast itself anywhere you listen to podcasts. And Sarah's out there on social media as well at Simple and Intentional. And if you guys want to hear more from me, uh, go check out my Mindful Money Mamas Facebook group where I am providing lots of love and tricks and tips on how we can create a healthy, long-lasting relationship with money. All right, you guys. Now, without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredible Sarah Horgan. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm really happy to be here. I am so excited for our conversation today. This is going to be awesome. So I'd love to start by having you tell everybody a little bit more about you and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started Simple Intentional um, a few years ago, um, and it really came out of my own um, simplicity journey. Um, I was diagnosed with um, stage four cancer in 2014. And so I would say that's kind of like where it all started for me. Um, You know, I I sort of stepped out of regular life at that time. And um, I was going through my treatments and I was on long-term disability at home. And so I had all this time to really like deeply examine um, myself and life and think about, you know, um, how I lived my life and how I would, you know, some of my thoughts were how I would be remembered and would I feel good about that and, and that sort of thing. And so um, I, I began really recognizing um, that perfectionism and people pleasing, which were two things that um, I really (laughs) identified with. Um, yeah, we're not actually us. very positive <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like I'd always really framed my perfectionism as a positive before that, you know, that I was really detail orientated and I just had high standards and that sort of thing. And, um, but as I sort of like dug into like sort of personal development and, um, you know, I listened to tons of Ted talks and read lots of books and, and I realized that it was really a negative for me and that it was really holding me back and it was making me you know, feel badly about myself and think negative thoughts and, um, and it prevented me from doing things. Um, and, and very similar with similarly with the people pleasing that I really, um, was like putting a lot of people before myself and I wasn't really, um, thinking about, uh, how I felt and I wasn't, you know, putting boundaries down. And so, yeah, I went through, um, that year really, and I came out the other side, Um, being able to, you know, set boundaries and start to attempt to sort of do things in a messy way and and not really worry about having all the knowledge and all the materials and all of it together first kind of thing um, before I tried. And so that was kind of the beginning for me. And then from there, um, you know, a couple years later, um, or more than a couple, about four years later, when I had my daughter, um, you know, just going into motherhood was like another big change in life that, you know, being a working mom, I realized that I couldn't keep up with everything. I couldn't stay on top of everything the way that I had been able to before. And that all the stuff I had and all the 
like not only the stuff, like really the expectations I had of myself, the, um, you know, just like the mental clutter as well. Like I couldn't maintain it all and take care of myself in any way. So I started to get rid of things. And back in 2014, I'd actually read The Minimalist, Everything That Remains. So it had sort of started that that journey for me. But, you know, fast forward, I came back to it. Um, and it's really like, I guess, to sort of take all of that and put it together, I would say that, you know, all of this self-discovery stuff and all of this learning about yourself um, is such a process. And there were things that I picked up along the way that sort of all came together. And I realized that I needed to simplify my life. And I started doing that. And I had such profound change um, internally as well as externally that um, I knew that I wanted to share that. And I wanted to write about it. And I wanted to talk to other women about it. So um, I started a blog and I started my Instagram account. And that was kind of like how I got to what I'm doing now. Thank you. It's amazing work. And it's so powerful because so many of us can relate to it. Um, I, you know, did not have that same journey, but I did grow up very much a perfectionist and I still struggle with it. Like I think a lot of us do, because once we find something that kind of works for us or makes us feel good, right? At least even if it's a a coping strategy, um, it's hard to let go of, right? And yeah. I think we were just chatting yeah. a little bit about perfectionism. And I I want to you know, jump into that for a minute because when we're kids, right? Perfectionism is rewarded. Perfectionism, like we're taught, like that there's very clear definitions of what is good and bad and what is right and wrong, right? And we are, even though I feel like kids are naturally very comfortable with the messy and the uncomfortable, we are taught through school and culture and, you know, at our, in our home that it's not supposed to be that way. And so I, I'd love to get your thoughts a little bit more around that because I feel like that's where it starts, right? And and each of us have our own particular life circumstances that make us go down that path. But, you know, we each have our own experience and that the initial, I guess, draw to it comes from how we were raised. Yeah, I would totally agree with that because I, I think, um, again, like another piece of this sort of simplifying journey for me has really been like, you know, the deeper and deeper dive into myself and understanding myself and understanding my behaviors and um, how I respond to situations and why I buy things or why I do certain things. And, um, you know, a big piece of my journey has been meditation because it's really allowed me um, a lot of um, introspection and a lot of like understanding and noticing and so when I think about the perfectionism thing, like, and, you know, when you see it in other people as well, um, yeah, I agree that it's really rooted in childhood. Um, and for me, like, I think about it as like, it's a way that I received praise and a way that I received love and, and, you know, that I would um, do the right thing, quote unquote, or like behave a certain way or um, show up a certain way and get receive praise for that or, 
um, you know, sort of get that, that um, warm response from adults. So you can, the attention, yeah, this is like, okay, this is what they want, you know, and you kind of figure that out. And then when you don't sort of um, do things perfectly, or you don't do things the way that they're supposed to be done, quote unquote, like, then you don't get the same response. And so you start to learn like, okay, this is how I get love. And this is how um, mm-hmm. I don't. And, you know, like you said, our brains love um, what's comfortable. And so even if it's a negative, it still loves that because, okay, I know what's going to happen when I behave this way. I know what the response is going to be. That's safe and comfortable. And if I do something different, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's scary. And, you know, our brains are just always trying to keep us safe. So, um, you know, when we can kind of understand that, and we can understand that about our perfectionism, or any other behaviors we have that we want to change, it's then knowing that in order to change it, we're going to have to do something that's going to be like, a little bit uncomfortable. And it's funny, because I, I actually, um, I was dropping my daughter off at a birthday party recently and she was really nervous to go. Um, she's actually really social. So it was sort of out of character, but you know, it wasn't like um, she wasn't going to know everybody there. And we were talking about that and how I said to her, you know, like sometimes you do things that make you uncomfortable, but then, you know, you gain from it. Like you're going to get something really great out of it, like a fun experience, a new friend, like whatever it is, but that it's worthwhile doing the uncomfortable thing. And then she asked me, well, mama, when was some a time that you did something that you were uncomfortable? Mm. And, and it's funny because I think as adults, like it's a little more of a stretch, um, for us totally. to find examples, um, And so I kind of said to her, well, you know, like, um, I explained to her about, you know, how, um, when I want to talk to somebody on my podcast, like I have to reach out to them and ask them and, you know, that sometimes like that can be uncomfortable because I don't know if they're going to say no or yes. And I don't know them. And, you know, like, so I sort of went down that, that road as an example, but, um, you know, it did make me also think like, wow. I don't have like a lot of really clear examples because I think that that's true for so many of us is that we kind of operate inside our comfort zone a lot of the time. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's a piece of the perfectionism is that, you know, when you can predict, predict and control and like kind of keep things all together. Um, so it is like um, you do have to push yourself to do things that make you uncomfortable um, to like continue to grow. And what it made me realize is that like now, um, it's not as scary, like really for me to reach out to people anymore that I probably need to figure out something else (laughs) to do now to push myself to grow a little more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's always those things, right? Like I think about the, the podcasting journey for myself and, you know, it's been three years now, three years ago, I was terrified. I was terrified of saying the wrong thing or you know, stumbling on my words or forgetting what I was going to say. And I just think about the progress that I've made from then and now. And I still might have those moments where like, oh, oh, oh gosh, what if I do forget this? Right. But I can just yeah. I can just start over and I'm way more comfortable with, you know, saying the ums and the ahs and all that. Now, it just shows that mm-hmm. progress. And I think you're right. Yeah. There is always another level. There's always something else that, because we're never going to 
get there. We're never going to get to whatever the, the, I guess, achievement or the <laughs> go back to the word yeah. perfection, but that perfect is every single person yeah. out there has something that scares them um, or makes yeah. them, makes them uncomfortable. And so it's, yeah. it is a lesson I think in um, challenging ourselves and, and growing personally and also modeling that for our kids that we can yeah. do, do whatever it is that, that scares us. Right. Yeah. And it does, I mean, like, it, you know, it helps them too. like, cause she said to me, okay, now I feel ready, you know, because we'd had that conversation and like, you know, she kind of internalized that it was like normal to feel nervous. And, you know, we take for granted that kids, like, we know this stuff already, <laughs> but like, she yeah. was like, oh, it's normal to feel nervous. Like she didn't even know that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, she doesn't have the um, words for it. Yeah. Like, I do want to say that it's also about safety and love, but for ourselves, like it's about, um, you know, creating safe space for ourselves, but also about loving ourselves and knowing that the more that we act on that self-love, like whether or not it's like through the thoughts we think or taking care of our bodies or whatever, like these things that that also creates like sort of a confident, safe space to launch from. And the more that you sort of take action and you try things and you do things, then you know that you can shed that perfectionism a little bit more and you can see the evidence of it, right? Like you can see, um, oh, that person said no to being on my podcast and I survived, (laughs) you know, like it really isn't that bad or like, you know, or I did that thing that made me really uncomfortable, but now look, like I built this relationship with this person or um, I it was a really great experience that led to this experience or whatever it is. Like, you know, you start to build the evidence that like the doing things and taking action doesn't have to be perfect. And, um, you know, we just, yeah, the more that we do, the more that we can see, um, everybody is figuring it out. Nobody's doing it perfectly and nobody has all the answers. They've just chosen to take the action and to figure it out along the way. Yeah. And and I think the biggest part to that, that you just mentioned is, is the being kind to ourself. You, you use self-love, but you know, I I think of it as self-compassion too. It's just creating that safe space. Like for me years ago, before I went through this kind of journey, growth journey myself or started on it, I didn't feel like I was in a safe place within myself. So I was somebody that hated being alone. Like I couldn't do a yoga class. I I had to always be busy and I had to keep my mind busy because if I was quiet or I was alone, it was a, it was scary to me. It was an uncomfortable, a really uncomfortable place to be. And I know that I am not alone. I know there's a lot of women out there as well that are, that feel that way. And Again, I think so much of that comes down to that perfectionism because it's like if you if I if I don't live up to my own personal expectations of myself, then like I am I am so hard on myself. I am so mean to myself, right? So I think it's learning to be just ever so slightly like a baby steps kinder to yourself. And over time you recognize that okay, that helps, right? Especially with making mistakes. Like I was somebody that was petrified of making mistakes. I work in an industry that making mistakes 
can be a fireable offense. So I was terrified to to make mistakes. I was on edge. I was like kind of high alert all the time. And so I think that really impacted the way that I I treated myself and the way that I acted and my expectations of myself. But I was I was mean to myself at the end of the day, right? But as I've learned over the last couple of years that being a little bit kinder to myself when I make those mistakes creates more of a safe place like inside of me, like at home, as I like to say, right? Um, so yeah. it's it, it's really that's what this is all about. It's like taking those incremental baby steps and seeing very, very small incremental change over time and realizing that it's okay. I am okay. Even if I make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And your worth doesn't like come from that either. Like, you know, which just to go back where you were talking about, um, you know, having a hard time being with yourself and being not productive. Like I think so many of us have learned or felt that our worth comes from our productivity and yes. you know what our life looks like and how much we're accomplishing and how much we're getting done or like how full our schedule is you know um like if you have this really full social calendar um and you're also you know exercising every day and you're successful in your career and you're like doing all these things that when your schedule isn't full like that we can struggle with seeing where our worth and where our value is when um, we're really all in need of, of working to learn that we have worth no matter what, um, no matter what our life looks like, no matter what we're doing, no matter how much we accomplish on a to-do list, that just being and just being who we are is, is, is worthwhile and is an incredible thing. Now that worth story that you were just talking about is something that hits so close to home for me. I, I remember doing an, a whole episode on this idea that I always have to be productive. Mm-hmm. And it hit me just recently too, like in the last week or two, I remember saying to my husband, like it's been the holidays and everything. And I remember saying to him, like, I struggle when I don't have something to do. Like there was one Saturday morning that the kids didn't have basketball and I I don't know I didn't he was running the errands for me so I was just home and I was kind of putzing around doing some stuff like little things around the house but I didn't feel like I was accomplishing anything and so I was cranky I was legitimately cranky for the rest of the day and later on he was like what's up with you and I'm like I'm not I haven't been productive today and I know that I struggle with my self-esteem when I am not being productive and I'm not getting stuff done. So it's that, that was like a light bulb moment for me. And I finally realized like what's actually going on. And at the end of the day, it all, it all boils down to worth, right. And feeling like I, even if I don't get all these things done, which is what I'm just used to doing as a, a mom and a worker and all this stuff, it's still, I'm still okay. No matter what. Yeah. And it is really hard because I think that, um, that productivity thing is so something that I discovered about myself that like part of organizing stuff like around my home was me feeling productive. Like, okay, I have this downtime. Well, now I'm going to organize a cupboard or, Mm. you know, I'm going to like clean out the bathroom or whatever, because I'm still being productive. I'm still getting things done. And versus like, you know, stillness or 
you know, just being able to be, um, it's really hard. And, and I still have that where like, you know, if I have some free time and I don't use it, um, like, especially as a mom now, because there's so little free time that when I don't use it to its like full capacity, um, I can get really hard on myself too, but it's sort of like being aware of it and then checking yourself to be like, okay, you know what? I know I'm doing that thing. And like, it's okay that I didn't get as much done. It's okay that I'm not super productive. Like there isn't like some race that you're getting to the end of like, this is life and this is part of it. And if I needed to do that slowly, that was okay. Or I needed to not do it at all. That was okay. But like, I also think like more and more that I wonder for those of us who really love simplicity because, so I don't want to make this blanket, but I'm also about the connection between um, like craving simplicity and minimalism and going after that and nervous system dysregulation. Yeah. Um, Because there are like tons and tons of benefits of simplicity. Obviously, like I really believe in this and I speak about it all the time. And like, it's not just that simplistic. Like I think that there's lots of benefits to it, but I also think that a piece of it is like, is your nervous system dysregulated? Is that why you need blank space? Because I think that that's a piece for me. You know, I'm a a full-time kindergarten teacher. I have a kindergarten age child (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I come home and my husband works evening. And so I like, you know, I sort of feel like I've come to some of this, like out of um, a requirement. And I, I have found that over and over again, when I've interviewed people and spoken to them on my podcast is that people come to this simplicity thing out of almost necessity. So there, there is a piece of it, right? Like we, you know, we come from this, like, over-functioning perfectionism um, and productivity that we can't let go of and we like drive ourselves into the ground so we get completely dysregulated and then we're like buying stuff to like fill the hole and then we're creating all this like external chaos around us so then you know we lean into minimalism because we need to get rid of um, all the chaos around us but like um, I think a big piece of this is we have to like heal our nervous systems and, and find ways to like shut out the noise and be able to focus on what matters and take care of ourselves. And that's again, that self-compassion, that self-love piece. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And it made me think about something too, like how you sort of mentioned this, that like people can, once you find this, like uh, this simplicity, minimalism, once you, once you find that people can kind of be, get obsessed with it because it's something to cling onto. It's something that like, it's almost like you can turn that into a, a, a game in and of itself, right? You just said yeah. like, it, it feels productive to get rid of things. And I think about it, that's how much that relates to things like diets, right? Like, or, or, clean eating or whatever it is, whatever like becomes your sort of lifestyle, but you can sort of become obsessed with and become a perfectionist around it. I think about the same thing with budgets, right? (laughs) And, and spending and like, you know, you become obsessed with this one goal in mind and, you know, you, you can't, it's as if like, there's no room for flexibility around it. And so I just think that we need to be cautious around that. And like the, again, the intention around why we're doing these things, why are we changing, making these habits or changing these habits in our life, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I think 
you you really hit the nail on the head because you can take that sort of like unhealthy behavior and unhealthy mindset and apply it to anything that can be seen as a positive, like, you know, exercising, losing weight, you know, saving money, whatever it is, like those are positive things. But then when you're doing it from that unhealthy lens of, okay, I'm going to like nail this, you know, I'm going to be perfect. Exactly. Like wholly and fully. And I'm going to like, you know, knock it out of the park and it's going to be in this like perfect box where there's no room for flexibility but that's not real either because then you're holding so tight onto doing this thing this certain way that you know when things go out of the way like I I actually um feel like I can relate to this because before I had cancer I had all these food issues and I, I mean truthfully like it could have really been inflammation from having cancer but um you know I had cut out dairy and gluten and like all this stuff and I was eating so clean and so like perfect all the time and it was stressful like it was stressful yeah. to go eat anywhere I brought food with me all the time like it was like so yeah. much work that I put into this and so then actually when I had cancer I like almost swung the other way where I was like, okay, I got to relax about food. Um, and now, you know, like, um, I feel in like a, you know, balanced and healthy place with food. Um, but like, you know, you can do that with anything where you can have this like unhealthy focus on really doing it perfectly. Um, and again, because it's like, uh, you want to look a certain way, you want this love and acceptance from people, you know, um, whatever, like, and those outcomes that you can get that praise for, like, can come through any of those things. Yeah. And again, like the the food and the diet thing is such a common one for women because we get all these messages from culture that we should look a certain way. And, you know, then, of course, we internalize those messages as little kids. And that ends up being like, you know, the ultimate goal and what we're striving for. Not necessarily, you know, having a healthy body which yeah. comes in all different shapes and sizes, right? Yeah. But it's it's like having it look a certain way. And we, then then the control piece comes in and we can, you know, do, we, we, we're we essentially self-sabotaging ourselves, and yeah. we don't realize it because again, we get the praise from, from the outside world. Like, oh, have you lost weight, right? You look great. It, but like, it's, it messes with us, right? And it, that's, it's the same message I feel like with so many people, like you could look at it, like go into somebody's house that, and they've just clean, done a whole clean of everything. And you could say, oh my gosh, your house is beautiful. Like, I can't believe how, how clean it is. And yet, you know, that can backfire too. That can also be a self-sabotaging comment. So it's just yeah. really interesting. I think, again, the, the important thing here is to look at the root like of what's mm-hmm. actually because the, the the decluttering could just be a symptom of something bigger, right? Which is a method of or, or a, a means of controlling, right? And there's something underlying that that's causing you know the you to react in that way or to feel like this is the solution when yeah. you know it may be something completely out of our control. Yeah, yeah, and that's where the the sort of like again, like I think the meditation and the mindfulness really come in as an important piece in this, because, um, I think people have to go through their journey. You have to go through the process and you have to figure it out for yourself. And, you know, there, there's always help available. Like, you know, if you're in a cluttered environment and it's super overwhelming and you can't tackle it, like, of course, get help to deal with that. And of course, tackle your environment, but, um, you know, through the process of doing it, um, 
like take that time to self-examine and like notice like why did I buy this or why does you know why does clutter feel comfortable to me or why can I not deal with this or you know just sort of like question yourself yeah like the mental like the 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 physical clutter when we are bringing things into our house and I I've I went through a, a phase like this I remember um where I just wanted to accumulate things. This was in my 20s because I think it had to do with more um, a safety idea for me. Like I I think that I was on my own. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't think I had I, – I was I was put into the real world like many of us are. I feel like with, with the appropriate like emotional support to just start living life, right? So I felt like I, I needed – to have things in order to make me feel better or feel yeah. more comforted. And I feel like that's a very common thing that so many of us, uh, of us go through. So I felt the need to accumulate, but mm-hmm. since then I've had kids and I see how much, how overwhelming having things and having um, physical objects, whether it's in my closet or in the kitchen or anywhere, uh, how much that overwhelms me because there's I'm not using all these things on a daily basis and it's just taking up too much like mental space for me and I realize how much that is um is impacting my my nervous system like we talked about before and that um and the emotional my emotional state and so I think what I'd love to hear from you more is sort of that the the correlation between the, this accumulation of things, right. And, and, um, the idea of cleaning that out and letting go and the connection of a connection to letting go emotionally, like all the things that we're holding on to so closely for what, like holding on to this handbag or this sweater, because at one point I needed it. Right. But I, but I, I really don't need it, but I felt so, so significantly like I needed it at that time right does that does that make sense to you totally like I really think that um it comes back to like again like creating that sense of like safety in yourself and that when we don't have that when we don't have that sense of safety and security within us because you know we're um externalizing our value and we're not feeling um our worth ourselves and so it's dependent on you know, people and things around us, then it becomes really scary to let go of things. And um, so that's why I really say that this is a process because I believe that you have to go through it incrementally to be able to build that, you know, to like let go of something and to learn that nothing bad happened and that you're okay without it. And like, you know, so depending on your personal situation, um, that process of letting go of things may go, go slower or faster. Um, you know, some people really just get pu- pushed to the breaking point and they've just got to get rid of it all because they're just so overwhelmed and it's like such a big problem. Whereas other people, you know, it's manageable for them so that they can work through it slowly. Uh, I think either way, internally, you're working through it at the pace um, that you're meant to work through it. And, um, you know, consuming content that's inspiring and supports you is really helpful too, because here are all these ideas around you that, um, you know, some of them like 
really just click. You read someone's word somewhere, or you read a chapter in a book, and suddenly what they're saying just resonates with you so much. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I do that. Mm -hmm. I see it, you know, and you can kind of like get it. And then once you get it, it, it enables you to start to take action from that place. So it really is like, you, you have to take steps forward and build the confidence and to start to understand. Um, but also there's so much support out there. Like there's so much, you know, whether or not it's YouTube or Instagram or on the internet or books or whatever it is like podcasts, like you can find the support and the help you need. And I think that, um, you know, being really committed to like figuring out what is going on, why you feel the way you feel, where this stuff comes from, sort of like look for the help outside of you as well, because that's where these ideas come from that help you make these shifts. And, and of course, like listen to yourself as well, but um, this really is sort of like a self-discovery journey. So um, although it can feel super scary to get rid of stuff, just practice with the things that don't feel so scary, you know, like go into your bathroom and think about getting rid of like old blush or expired vitamins, you know, the like 15 tubes of toothpaste you have because you bought them on sale. Like what if you gave half of those to the food bank or something, you know, like figure out the ways you can lighten your load with stuff that is easy to replace and you don't have much emotional attachment to, and then, um, you know, you, you sort of build from there. Like yeah. you don't have to start with like your grandmother's quilts. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the baby, I, the, um, the baby clothes, right. Like the outfit you took your, your, um, baby home from the hospital. I think so. Like that can feel, that can feel yeah. a lot for yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Totally. And, I, I, and I, you I, don't have to get rid of that. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. It's, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of everything. And I think um, this very closely, what you were just talking about relates to um, it, something you and I were talking about before we hit record on, on the power of small change. Can you just talk a little bit about that as we start to wrap up? Um, yeah. So I think that um, what I've learned uh, is that starting with something small is really the key to making something big happen. And there is some quote somewhere where it's like, um, you know, you move a mountain one stone at a time or something like that. Yeah. And, and that's the truth with anything. Like if you look at something big or incredible that someone's accomplished, then look backwards because they didn't just do that first and they didn't just do it suddenly you know like you can look at um you know if they, you have like a favorite author who's that's accomplished is accomplished with small steps incrementally and um as you take those small steps and you take that small action again you're building that confidence you're learning things as you go that are going to equip you to do the next thing and the next thing and it sort of grows from there so if you're looking to do something um, in your life, like, like one thing um, I did was one of my small changes is, you know, I, I realized after the summer 
that I was drinking like a lot of tea, like a lot of black tea. So a lot of caffeine and I feel like it wasn't affecting me very well. And, um, you know, I just felt like I was really attached to it too. Like I had this, this attachment, like, you know, my family's British and like this whole thing about like my identity and tea and, um, you know, people give me tea and and it was just like really tied to who I was. So I, I knew I had to make a change because I, I just like had tied this tea to my identity and I knew that I was drinking too much caffeine. So I, I decided that I was going to swap my like morning tea, which I mean, was really like the big one. It was the one that I, you know, would have said I can't live without kind of thing. And so I swapped it for a green tea because, um, if you have ever given up caffeine, you know, that you get like the worst headache on, uh, the face of the planet. I would not ever recommend doing that cold Turkey. It's really bad. My husband's Uh, going through that right now. He's actually decided he didn't want to drink coffee anymore. And I don't drink coffee. I never have, but he said he didn't want to drink it and he gets like really bad headaches. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I've done it a few times because I've done these like cleanses in the past when I was trying to figure out all my food things. Um, and green tea is a really good go between to sort of like ease yourself off. Um, and cause it still has caffeine in it, but it's like much, much less than like half, uh, coffee or, or black tea. And I mean, there's lots of good health benefits to it as well. So, um, yeah, so I made that swap and I've actually realized like I'm enjoying it more black tea. Like I didn't give it up completely. Cause I was like, you know, I still enjoy it. And I, now that I've broken the attachment, I know I can like sort of take it or leave it. Um, and so like, I'll still make myself like a, you know, like a tea latte. Cause I like that or whatever, but it's, it's like doing something different, um, figuring out what's like one small thing that you could do. So if it's like an exercise habit that you want to start, you know, could you start by waking up and putting on your exercise clothes? And that could be like the first thing you do. And then you could sort of add on from there um, or like say you're going to put on your exercise clothes and do like five squats or something like that. Um, but then the truth is, is that you generally do more, you know, um, right. but that your lowest, like you've got what the low bar is and you know that you're going to at least do that on your, your hard days or whatever. Um, but, you know, when you can set the bar low for yourself, and it really enables you to just show up to it, then you can um, really start to accomplish great things. And the things that felt so hard or impossible to do are going to become so much easier because set it at like a limit that you can attain all the time. You know, even on your worst day, you can, you know, pull on your exercise clothes and do five squats. Um, but on your best day, you can also pull up a YouTube video and do a 20 minute workout, you know, so, um, you can decide in there, but yeah, just figure out what it is that you really want to make happen or you want to take away and then figure out what is like one step that you could take and commit to it and just commit to that. Like you just have to focus on that one thing and it's super small and, and, then it really does um, go from there and it becomes easier because I found from doing the tea thing, I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I think it's actually dairy also that's really bothering me. Um, So I sort of investigated that and, um, you know, I used to eat like so much cheese. It's like a family thing. We like eat so much cheese. (laughs) It's so good. 
It's so good. I actually read this article that it has like the same effect in your brain as like doing cocaine. I'm <laughs> sure. Like oh yeah. Yeah. It's the serotonin and the dopamine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Cause I, you know what? That is one thing. Like I'm not going to give up all dairy, but I'm going to give up cheese. And then I started to notice like, yeah, I do feel better. So then I sort of naturally stopped consuming so much dairy. I really truly have not found a substitute for like regular milk. Um, that is the same and that, you know, same flavor, all that stuff. Like there's just, I really have investigated a lot of things. There's no sub, but for me anyways, but I think <laughs> that now that I've cut out all this other dairy, like I can still have that dairy. So I, it's like, you know, going way back in our conversation to that sort of idea around like perfectionism and yeah. like, you know, controlling things like now, yeah. instead of me saying, I don't eat dairy, I can say, I know that it doesn't really feel good when I have a lot of dairy. So I'm going to like be choosy and I'm going to be mindful and yeah. I'm going to have the tea latte because that's what I like love, but I'm going to make these small changes around it. And so I think when you can let go of like really restrictive or all or nothing thinking. Yes. And yeah. Every time I've done that, I have noticed big things happen because I make a small change and then it leads to bigger changes. So yeah. I really, yeah. I was just going to say, it's a mindset shift, right? It's you got to get that. You can't just do the physical thing. You've got to get your mind in the right place too. And, and making very tiny tweaks with how you, you view yourself and how you view the world is yeah. the key here. Yeah. And the more like I read Atomic Habits and it's such a great book, but in there, James Clear talks about tying habits to identity. Um, and I think that's a, a piece of it too, is like, are you somebody like, can you create your identity as somebody who can embrace change? Um, can you try things out? Are you, um, you know, somebody who's going to um, show up for yourself? Is that somebody you are like, you can show up and just, but then make the level that you have to show up to attainable for you. Um, you know, don't go look at like these major transformations that people do and then think, okay, I got to show up and I'm going to exercise seven days a week and I'm going to like show up hard every day, you know, and just do right. it. It's unrealistic. Because, yeah. It's unrealistic. And that's their journey now, but they didn't start that way and they figured it out along the way, what worked for them. And you right. have to do that too. Like you don't have to be somebody who, you know, exercises the way they do. Like you've got to find your way. So make it so that you are somebody who shows up and then figure out what you want to show up to. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great way to wrap everything up. <laughs> I think <laughs> this has been so, um, such a powerful conversation, Sarah, thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom. Um, I'd love to have you tell everybody how they can hear more from you, how they can connect with you and, and just, you know, follow the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I also have a podcast, the Simple and Intentional Podcast. So um, you can subscribe there and follow. I have an Instagram account, Simple Intentional, where I'm very active and actually coming very soon. Um, at the end of this month um, will be um, the Simple Change Summit that um, I'm putting together. And 
Um, it's going to be a two-day event. Um, you can buy a ticket and you will be able to have access to um, a small group of speakers and uh, it's available over three days. But um, I really intentionally put this together because I want people to think about it as if it's a live event, like if you bought a ticket to go see a live event that you would show up to it. And so what I'm trying to do is help you show up to, to this thing um, yeah. that will help you create change and that you, you know, um, I know so many of us have hundreds of times and never gone. So this event is, um, it costs $20 and 24 cents. Um, Love it. You, uh, yeah, <laughs> for 2024. I mean, simple change in your life. Um, it's a small group of speakers. So it's not like a dozen people that you need to um, cram in in two days. Um, and, you know, if you don't get all of the, you don't get to listen to all the talks in the first two days, there's one more day that you have access. So um, yeah, you'll get, with your ticket, you'll get access um, over three days to listen to um, the different speakers who are going to be sharing about minimalism and how to create change in your life and intentional spending because Megan will be one of them yes, <laughs> and yes um, you know habit change and the power of small change and all these things and so hopefully what you walk away with is a little tidbit from each person that can help propel you forward in this year so that you can create simple change in your life and start small and build on it. Um, and, you know, everybody is super knowledgeable and inspiring. So um, there will be a link in, in my bio for sure um, that you can follow. And if you just go to um, Simple Intentional on Instagram, or you go to Megan's Instagram, any of the speakers, you'll be able to find the link to get your ticket and find more information about it. So I hope that um, you'll show up and get something from it and help you build a great year this year. Yes. Amazing. And I, I will share everything in the show notes. And as I, as you just said, put everything on my social media and everything to share it. But I think it's just going to be a really great way to start the year with purpose and attention and, um, something that I, you know, tend to not do myself. I just kind of react and rush into mm -hmm. the, like, go, just go, go to go through life with chaos. So I think it'll be really, um, helpful for me and inspiring for me to listen to the speakers as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I really, you know, I've taken part in a lot of different events myself and I really, and I've signed up for things myself. And I really just thought about this as how can I create something that is going to be manageable for people that they're going to show up to and that they're going to gain something from. And so it's all based on that and, um, and just really helping people to create the change that they want to change in their lives. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so true. It's such a common mission, I think, for all of us that are speaking there. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today. This was such an incredible conversation. I can't wait to put it out there into the world and um, just thank you for your time. Oh, you're so welcome. I was really, really happy to be here.